covering the class, doing a general topic. Um, I would appreciate it, but uh, the plan is for me to be out just next week. Uh, I do plan to be back uh, Sunday afternoon, but for Sunday school in the morning, I won't be available. So um, just letting anybody know, whoever's interested, uh, if they want to go ahead and take the class and just do a general discussion, um, I would appreciate your volunteering to do so. But in the meantime, we're going to go ahead and resume and pick up where we left off with last week's lesson. And the timing of this study, um, there's some irony to it. Um, and all I can say is that uh, we, we'll go ahead and um, get started with a word of prayer. <laughs> okay. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to come before you and just listen to what you say to us through your word and listen to the Spirit as you teach us, as you give us instruction. We thank you, Lord, for this time that you give us to come together. We thank you for the fellowship time as well, too, where we can get together and share our experiences, share the word, share how everything that we talk about is relevant to our lives. We give you praise and thanks for all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We were somewhere embedded in page two, and I believe trying to finish up and work our way back to uh, the end of the lesson, but we want to go ahead and kind of do a brief overview and then get to where we are in the lesson just to make sure that we are aware of where we're going on. This is lesson three, God, Do You Care? Compassionate Inactivity. This is a very striking, I was mentioning before the prayer time, the irony of this particular class. Um, as far as uh, personal relationships that we have with people that we know. Um, the, one of uh, Lynn's friends at work, and she is a friend because she's known her for quite some time, even though they work together, they, we we have been over their house. We've uh, socialized with them and her husband. Um, her um, husband, of course, is undergoing cancer treatments. He is in the ER right now because he had a bad night last night. And he is, uh, after going through some radiation treatment, and so now he's in the, in the hospital and they're in the hospital right now. And this same person's father passed away yesterday morning about midnight. So now, you see where I'm going with this. This is a, a situation where you're looking at people who, and, and just for a little bit of background too, um, the husband who is going, undergoing the cancer treatment, he is, was brought up as a Seventh-day Adventist, kind of fell away from that, um, so he has knowledge of the word, but has really not been vocal about that type of thing. He's the one that's undergoing the cancer treatments. He's been really scuffling for quite some time. Um, just had his 60th birthday this year. Um, the father had his own uh, cancer treatment where there was an operation that was done to try to remove and extricate the cancer. That was successful. The problem with that, after that, was that he just started developing infections that were just just overran him, and 
he passed away yesterday morning. Um, he did know the Lord. Uh, we had a brief conversation before he had the surgery, and I talked to him, and he felt like it was a way to buy some more time if he could get that cancer removed because that was something that uh, was, you know, you're, you're kind of playing the percentages. You're playing the odds. If the surgery would be successful to remove the cancer, then that's what would happen. But the one thing you can't count on is infections, and you don't know what, you don't know what the Lord's plans are, okay? So this daughter um, and wife is really, really going through it right now for obvious reasons. Um, and what do you say to someone who's going through this? You, you, don't, you certainly don't say something like, well, you know, God's will be done or blah, 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 something like that from, a, from the land of insensitivity. You don't say something like that. The only thing you can really do is just be a friend and be a comfort and say you're very sorry about what's happening and just be prayerful for that person. And even then, you're, even when you're mentioning about prayer, um, you have to even be conscious about what that message sends too because this person, this woman lost her dad and her husband's very, very sick. And so the quick response you know, is that well, what is prayer doing for me right now? If, you, if you're not really being sensitive to the, the language or the communication that's taking place. All you can do is offer to help. I mean, yesterday I think uh, Lynn offered to, if you guys needed me, uh, take, me, take a meal over to the house and take a meal to the house, just try to be a support. And we didn't think that she was going to take us up on that. Um, but we offered, and if she had made that phone call and said to take that meal over there, we would have taken it. They live in Amherst. We'll take it over there. If that's what it means, you do what you have to do to be a support to someone. Because one thing you have to understand, you guys have to understand this. When you're going through situations like this, people feel alone already because they're the only ones that are experiencing or going through what is in their immediate circle. Of course, other people have done it, but for individuals that are going through it, they're the only ones that think they're going through it. They're alone. They feel alone. And even if there is a support system there, sometimes even the support system is not necessarily with them. Now, this woman does not know a lot of believers in her immediate area. We have people who have been praying for her from all around, and she put up a Facebook page about prayers for her husband and for her father. And there have been people responding, but those are not immediate friends, you still feel like you're alone. You still feel like you're going through difficulty. And that is what we need to see about, you know, even before we get back into the topics about moral will and sovereign will we have to, of God, we have to understand that uh, other, other people feel a certain way that you wouldn't necessarily feel unless you were going through it. Unless you're going through it. So for this woman who's lost her dad and for all we know, hopefully is hanging on to her husband, but we don't know, for a little while, and it's all happening at the same time, what is there to say? How do you respond? How do you look at a situation like that and make sure that you're responding in the appropriate way? So I think we can make a conclusion just very briefly before we get back into the lesson. 
We're not going to be firing off Bible verses. We're not going to be pontificating about what God is doing in the situation. You know, that may be a private conversation, for example, between me and my wife about what's happening, but that's not a conversation you have with the person who's afflicted. You are letting the Holy Spirit speak to you as you speak to this other person. Amen? Very, very important that that takes place as well, too. You're letting the Spirit speak through you. There's no way in the world that we can even begin to say words that are going to help a person through a situation like this when the woman's woman's husband's in the ER right now and she's there and has had no sleep and the dad passed away literally 24 hours ago. Not much to say. We just have to keep them in prayer and pray that the Lord provides any kind of comfort whatsoever in that situation. Don't know how he does it, but that's not our department. That's his department. He is the one who gives the comfort. He's the one who has the, the way to speak to them. And he's the one ultimately that is going to reach them and help. So you see where this class, I hope you don't ever have to go through something like this. And I hope that you don't have you have uh, don't have any friends that will have to go through something like this too, because it's very very tough. But you see the importance of looking at this for what it's worth from a discipleship point of view, making sure that your words are words of sensitivity, and frankly, words of brevity. You don't have to say a whole lot. Understand something that God does to each one of us who is a believer. He gives us this thing. This thing is a presence where you don't have to say a whole lot, but yet the person that you're talking to knows where you come from because you've got this thing that he does. It's the, when, the, when the Holy Spirit dwells within you, you have something that other people who don't know the Lord don't have. You have God's presence all over your face. And that's what people need to see. You just need to be godly in your behavior, of course, to go along with that. And just be sensitive to the situation at hand. And almost be thinking in the same way that a person who's suffering is thinking. Many people are living minute by minute. I'm sorry, let me say it this way. Day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. Because when you're hurting like that, you're just trying to get to the next segment of time. Your responses should be in line with that. You're not talking about future stuff. You're just talking about the moment, the present, helping people. And if somebody asks to pray, pray. My goodness. Don't put it off and say, I'll do it later. Nope, you do it right then and there. That's what we have to be sensitive to as believers, okay? All right. Okay? Okay. Yep. Be 
Okay. Sure, that's right. That's right. Okay. Right. Sure. Okay. Let them be angry. That's right. Let let them express what they're feeling at that time. Well, don't tell. You know what? That's just leave that out. It's not going to be a relevant point for that particular moment. Everybody understand what she's saying there? That's right. Yeah. 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 Those are extra, extra words. That's why I said brevity is the key here. You don't need to add things. Let the Spirit speak through you. When you're called to speak, sometimes you don't need to say anything. Except, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of you constantly. I'll be there for you. Offer to be there for that person. If they need you to come by, be available to go. You're kind of on a standby. You know, like when you, for those of us who, you know, know, you know what doctors, doctors are always on standby 24 hours, right? If you're, especially if you're a doctor in, in um, uh, a baby doctor. You're, you don't know when that baby's coming, but when that call comes, guess what you have to do? You have to go. Guess what? As a believer in a crisis situation, you are on standby. There's nothing really more important than that other person when they call you. You have to be ready and available to speak to them, talk to them. They're ready to talk to you. You need to be ready to talk to them. Because that's part of your ministry. Your ministry is to be available. What's that song? I'm available. That's one of the lyrics of the song. You have to be available. You have, you're on call when there is a tragedy taking place. You don't want to be the one who misses that call. You certainly wouldn't want someone... That's what, remember I say people say they feel like they're all alone? If you were in that situation, wouldn't you want somebody to call on you? Wouldn't you want somebody to talk to you? You would appreciate it if they did. If you called on somebody, man, I can't make it right now. It's not going to work. Well, we won't go over the sovereign will and the moral will thing again. Let's go back to page two and pick up and, and work our way to where we were when we left off. We talked about God's power and that God has the power and the ability to respond. We, the whole point of this lesson is that even though God is not doing something, why isn't he doing it? Well, we recognize that he is, he is all-powerful and he has the ability he has power and he has authority. Amen? We said this last time. He has power and authority. So certainly if he chooses to act, he will act. And certainly he does not secede any power that he has. He never has. He's the creator of the universe. And we're reminded as I extend this conversation a little bit more Jesus Christ was there from the very beginning, as we talk about in John chapter 1. He was there from the beginning. He is the all-powerful God of the universe. He is all-powerful. We saw evidence of his power when he was healing people, when he was 
walking on water, all the things that he did when he was a human being walking on earth, all that power was being demonstrated right then and there. He even picked the time when he would be crucified. Remember how they tried to attack him and he just walked right through the crowd? Well, can't nobody else do that except Jesus Christ. Because anyone in human form was going to get killed by that mob. So we recognize that and we see that. That's very important for us to understand. He is all-powerful. He has not given away any of his power. Okay. So we're looking at this. You cannot ever accomplish any justice without authority. I'm like right in the middle of the handout. Authority trumps power every time. God possesses both ultimate power and ultimate authority. The choice to not exercise power does not mean one is powerless. Everybody understand that? Just because you choose not to exercise power doesn't mean you have, don't have any power. Remember, people who are really struggling with their faith or struggling with understanding what's going on will say, God, aren't you powerful enough to heal right now? And of course, the answer is, yes, he is powerful enough to heal. We don't understand why he doesn't heal, why he doesn't alleviate our hurts, why we have to sometimes go through counseling. You know, everyone in this room has been hurt at one time or another. Amen? For many different reasons and purposes, we don't need to go into, you know, I... My life is public enough where you can assume that I've been hurt at some point in my lifetime, publicly from the church, um, for what happened before I met my lovely bride here. So that's not really the issue. The issue is you're going to go through hurt. That's part of life. And you're going to go through pain, and there is usually a reciprocal, or there is some sort of a consequence that comes even with that pain. Anyone who's been through divorce knows what that means. There's going to be pain. There's going to be struggling. There's going to be scuffling. There's going to be resentment. It may not be out loud, but it's there. You have to process your way through those things. Why did you have to go through something like that? Well, We're going to learn that more as we talk about it here today. Healing, delivering, and calming a troubled sea all show God has power over people and creation. But a greater evidence of his power and care is his exercise of power over himself. I think what we did before is we looked, let's do a refresher. Go to Romans chapter 9. Romans 9. And verses 22 and 23. What does Romans 9 verses 22 and 23 suggest about God's apparent suspension of power? Why doesn't he show his power? Well, what does it say in Romans 9 verses 22 and 23? I'll wait for some of you to get there. Pardon me? It's patience. Let's, let's read the verses together. I'm reading from the Christian Center Bible. 
And what if God, wanting to display his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience objects of wrath prepared for destruction? And what if he did this to make known the riches of his glory on objects of mercy that he prepared beforehand for glory? What this passage is essentially saying, Lynn said the key word here is patience. Remember, we're talking about a God who desires and his will is that every person comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And sometimes those people are angry. Sometimes those people are bitter. Sometimes those people are deserving of eternal hellfire and damnation. But yet he is giving them time to figure it out. We got to understand that. When God, when Jesus Christ tells us to love one another and love everyone, everyone, including those who don't know the Lord, love those that hate you. Remember what he says that in the scripture? Love those that hate you. They hate you because they hate God. They hate God. Now, if they hate God, that's directly against God, and God is yet being merciful to them. We are not as merciful. Amen? Let's be honest. I can remember early on in my time when I was a believer, I became a believer at 26 years old, but I still had a lot to learn. Amen? When you're a new believer, you still have to learn a lot of stuff. I, and I have no exception to that. You know, I'm thinking like somebody who's being really mean or nasty. It's like, Lord, just hit a lightning bolt down and just blow them right out of here. And that's the way you think sometimes. And you still learn that because that's not really the response. First of all, God, it's up to God if he wants to judge a person that way. It's up to him. It's not up to you. You don't have that kind of power to call on somebody to do that. He wants you to love that other person. He wants you to pray for that other person. The hand of God is sometimes held back because enough people are praying for someone. Believe it. Believe it. Absolutely. And he's doing it for what reason? To make known the riches of his glory on objects of mercy. The ultimate thing that we all are going to come to do is that when every knee shall bow and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, that's for his glory. He's showing the kind of God he is. He's showing the character as to who he is. And let's face it, every one of us deserves to go right to hell. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the bottom line. We can talk about how, Lord, I did this for you. Lord, I did that for you. What does it say in Scripture? Yeah, I did this. I did that. Well, your, your works are like nothing but filthy rags in my eyes. And, and what you did, frankly, is not sufficient. We have to go back to the totality of Scripture. Thank goodness for God's mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. Patience, for sure. Very patient. You parents know exactly what patience is in dealing with your children. Amen?
You've got to be real patient. Every child that comes up is not necessarily the golden child, the stellar child. You know, some kids come out like Beelzebub. You've got to be patient. <laughs> That's true. I am blessed because I, I, had two, I have two wonderful, the twins. I, I'm, I'm almost, it's almost a point of, uh, without bragging about it, they were like the nicest babies. They were wonderful coming up. And they, you know, they healthy kids and they're, they're doing really well and all that too. But they weren't saints. They weren't saints. They did stuff. I got, I got off easy. Some parents don't get off too easy. My daughter has a son named Marley. And after Marley, now he's three years old now. He's three. He's about three, yeah. Uh, after Marley, she says, that's it. I'm not having any more kids. Because <laughs> Marley is Marley's a great kid. He's a cute kid. But he's, he's a handful. He's a handful. You know, when you sometimes and my and my my twins were wise beyond their years. You're they're watching the behavior of other kids and saying, "Boy, that's I wouldn't want to have any more of those kids either." It's like the ultimate birth control. You have bad children. Okay. We all deserve punishment if not for Jesus Christ. Why doesn't he show his power? Well, he doesn't show it because he's trying to show us something else. That's what we need to understand here. He doesn't show his power because he's trying to show us something else. <laughs> you start hearing weird noises like, it's like what is going on? Okay. Yeah, I know. God endured our sinfulness with patience. He did this to make known the riches of his mercies and forbearance. What does that mean to you? He is showing patience. Now, remember, we're still talking about people who are suffering. We're still talking about people who are going through ultimate agony. Not being insensitive to that. But we have to understand that God is not acting because he's still trying to show us something. And it may be in the short term and it may be in the long term. That's not something for us to have a conversation about with somebody, they're going to have to understand that as God speaks to them. But what does it mean to you that he does what he does? He allows us to go through things sometimes for us to just stop and reflect and seek after him. And that's tough to understand sometimes. But that's exactly what he wants us to do. Our sin deserves God's wrath. The fact that God chooses to forbear instead of destroy reveals a power and compassion you and I can't even comprehend. And we can't. To understand the power that he possesses is important to understand the nature of the riches of his forbearance. That's in Romans 2, 4. Some versions render this word as kindness, tolerance, or patience. The Greek word anoche or forbearance is best understood as a picture. Visualize the hand of God lifted ready to strike a just blow against the sinner just then the other hand of God rises to stop the strike by grasping the arm and pulling it back. In his restraint, he displays he has power over himself. 
This compassion for us is far more magnificent than displaying power over created elements. He chooses not to act even though he could. He chooses to forbear. Understand something. If God just was smiting people and smiting people left and right, you'd have people have an impression, well, this is just an angry God that we deal with all the time. The moment something doesn't go the way he wants to, bam! Nobody would be left. That's right. You'd be down to just a few folks cowering somewhere in a cave. That's exactly right. And you'd have people that have the wrong impression of who God really is if he didn't have this grace and mercy. We're talking about a completely different picture of God. Now let me tell you something. For people who are really suffering, some of the words that may come out, God, why are you so angry with me? We got believers who have said that. God, why are you so angry with me? Why are you so ticked off with me? Why are you allowing this stuff to happen? He just does. But there's always a greater lesson in every experience we go through. You have to understand that and believe that. There's a greater lesson in all of that. The lesson may not be something you'll know right away. You may not know it right away. Sometimes the things that you go through, believe it or not, may even be to teach and reach other people around you in your life. You don't know. But we need to understand that even because he's not healing, not fixing, not doing, it doesn't mean he is powerless. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want to. Of course he would. But there's a much greater picture. That's why we had a whole conversation about sovereign will and moral will. We have to understand God's sovereignty has to override our segmented thinking because we only think about pieces parts of stuff we think about ourselves we think about immediate family we don't understand his sovereign will has to be taken into account that's a tough teaching it's a very tough teaching because we've got people we pray for in the church all the time that have ailments that are going on right now they're they're scuffling they're scuffling And there's nothing that I can physically do to help someone like that. All I can do is pray for that person. Yes, go ahead, I'm sorry. Hebrews 12, 6. Okay, let's turn to Hebrews 12, 6. Here we go. I'm pushing the button and nothing was happening. Well, let's read 5 and 6. 
And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reported, proved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. And look, and we, I, you know what, we read this last week too. I remember this now. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? Now let's take this in the proper understanding though. First of all, what I think Arella is trying to say here, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that God deals with us as people that he loves. So the understanding should always be that he loves us as his children, no matter what we're going through. And so we need, need to understand that when he does discipline us, it's discipline out of love. Now, not all things that we experience are because of God's discipline. Let's start with that. But I think Arellas was trying to get us back to the fact that we are still his children. He does love us. He does care about us. He, he is concerned about us. And even further than that, he loves everyone, but he especially loves his children because he wants them to understand his presence even through what's going on. So we're talking about his character here. Yes, go ahead. Okay, very good. I'm... Yes. Yes. That's right. Yep. That's what it is. You have to choose. You just said it all. You have to choose that. Yes. Okay. 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 Yep. Okay. So when it came to Melissa, mm-hmm. um, I mean, oh my gosh, the rest of us are running in the world. That's not too good. But God gave me a choice. Okay. And I went, okay. But I'll tell you something. I would not go to school for Melissa if she was given a choice. Because Melissa had a temper that wouldn't quit because quit because she was angry. Okay. Right. Now he had a beautiful Christian daughter. Mm-hmm. But he prepared me because I was a 
That's right. Right. I get that. I get that. Absolutely. Amen. So let's remember, it's not about discipline all the time. It's about that God does love us. We have to be reminded that God loves us even when we're suffering. Even when we're hurting. And the people that you're discipling also need to be reminded of that too. But choose your words carefully when you do that. You don't just blurt it out at any inopportune moment. You do it when the time is right and let the Spirit speak. What you're learning when you go through something like this is that the Spirit's going to be doing all the talking for you. If you want to make sure you're saying the right words to somebody that you're trying to bring through a, a tragedy or a tough time, let the Spirit be the one that speaks. The less you say, the better. Seriously. Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh-oh. There you go. So you got the little little primer there saying, I'm two minutes from cussing you out, therefore it's time to be quiet. Well, sometimes God does that too. He'll give you a heads up. Nothing wrong with that. That's helpful. That's helpful because what you don't want to do is what? Ruin your testimony. I don't care. Doesn't make any difference. <laughs> you know what? We have folks we have folks who are Christians who will Listen, listen, she's just being real about who she is. So it doesn't make any difference if she's a Christian or not. But, but the fact that she is a Christian, she, that means she had the wherewithal to say, you know what, I really don't want to hear what you're saying right now. As opposed to launching on her and just saying, you know, bleep, 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 Not a good idea, right? All right, let's go over to page three because I'm going to pick up and we're going to finish up today with this lesson. Go to Isaiah 30:18. I think that's where we left off. And I hope that you're getting from this discussion that we're having the importance of your really paying attention to being sensitive to God in a situation where someone is suffering. And I pray that you don't have to go through it what... Lynn's friend is going through. But if you know someone like that, then you'll know that less is more sometimes. Be available for him. Be ready for him. But less is more. Isaiah 30, 18 tells you another reason for God's restraint. It says, Therefore the Lord is waiting to show you mercy and is rising up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a just God all who wait patiently for him are happy. One of the things that we struggle with is patience. Because if you want relief, you want somebody to do something about it right now. But we need to be patient. God's restraint and forbearance show his compassion for the purpose of drawing you to himself. That's what you need to see. There's restraint 
And he's not acting sometimes because he wants you to go near to him. Understand something. If God was a genie and you always got healed every time you asked him, would you really need him? You wouldn't need him at all. You'd be just going through life, everything's cool. But sometimes he doesn't act because he wants you to see him. Oh, my friend, I know you're trying to trust him and understand his ways. I struggle with the same. I'm fully confident God cares about me and could heal my blindness. But even though he has the power to, he doesn't choose to show it in the way I sometimes hope. Not yet anyway. Does that mean he doesn't care? I think it means he cares enough to allow me to struggle and find a deeper understanding of and connection to his heart. Now, that's the author of this text saying, who's legally blind. She doesn't want to be blind. She would lose to be healed just like anybody else who's going through an affliction. She's accepting that she's blind. She doesn't like that she's blind. If I plead for his power, then I must accept his authority that comes along with it. Stop for a second and think about that statement. His power may be capable of healing my eyes and filling in your missing pieces, but his authority may not deem it best. That's tough. But that is exactly what happens here. It may not be best. Now that's tough. You're hurting, you're suffering, you're going through stuff, and yet God is making a decision to not heal you at that time. Because he has a deeper purpose. This is what true growth in being a believer is all about. The deeper purposes of why he does what he does or doesn't do what he does. I'm learning to respect his, his, respectfully trust his authority as much as I trust his power. For it is the companionship of those two attributes that allows suffering and at the same time disallows punishment for our sin. That's very true. He allows the suffering from whatever ailment we're going through, but he doesn't allow us to be punished because of our sin which we richly deserve. Hard truths, I know, but unless we take God just as he is in his wholeness, we will never find hope in our own brokenness. Once again, God's character on display. So should God heal you just because he can? Should God end that trial to ease your faith questions? Should he deliver you just because he is able to? Should God hold you accountable for your sin just because he has the right to do so? Consider this with me. To embrace the concept of forbearance as it applies to our suffering is to reject part of the character of God. And if we don't experience his wholeness, we will never experience our own. Do you understand what she's saying here? If you don't accept God in his totality, in other words, You can't just pick out the good attributes, the pieces, parts you deem to be good, and say, this is God who I worship. You're worshiping a false God if you do that. That's not who he is. You can't worship a false God. And understand something. This is, this, a lot of people do this where they just pull out the good stuff and leave out the bad stuff. We can't do that. 
Now understand something too. Good and bad is our judgment. When we say God works to everything for good, good does not necessarily mean ha 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 ho. That's not the good that's referred to in Scripture. The good ultimately is the reflection of God's character. That's the good that we need to understand in Scripture. But that good allows suffering. That good allows affliction. It allows pain for a greater good. And the greater good is your relationship growing and developing with Him. The greater good. Lynn and I are going to not have any way of being able to tell her friend Kelly that what's happening right now is for God's greater good. We can't tell her that. We won't even try. But I know one thing. He wants both of them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That we do know. That we know ultimately is the end game in all of this. He desires for them to both have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so these conversations as they develop over time, don't know which way they're going, don't know how it's going to happen, don't know where it's going. You know, this woman lost her dad who knew the Lord. So it's not like she's not exposed to this stuff. so here's a prayer. God, grant me the understanding and grace to plead for your power and at the same time accept your authority. Help me to forbear during my difficulties as you forbear patiently my sin. May I take you as you are. Amen. Now that's the thing that for those of us who are struggling with health issues and stuff going on, man, that's a tough prayer, but yep, it's a prayer that's very valid. You know, we all want a high quality of life. Some of us don't have that luxury. But we still can pray. We still can seek the Lord. We still can have a closer relationship with Him, even in our affliction. Be prayerful. I, I just can't help but think this class has a meaning and a purpose for the future, for all of us, for who we come in contact with. This is something that we need to learn. It's something we need to experience, something we need to talk about now, because when the time gets tough for someone that we know, we need to be ready and available. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to have this discussion. And Lord, we do recognize that there are many things that you allow in our lives that we certainly won't begin to understand. But Lord, teach us in those times that you have a greater purpose in mind. You want us to be available for those people who are truly struggling right now. Lord, help us to be sensitive. Help us to reflect your character before others. Help us to recognize how you have done so much for us 
You have kept us and preserved us. You've shown us grace and mercy. And let us be a reflection of that very thing before others. Let us be patient as you are patient. Teach us, Lord, that we can say the right words and yet stop talking when you tell us to, when ministering to others. Lord, we want to learn more. We want to be available for you. We want to be able to talk to those people and and speak with confidence about your presence. We thank you for these ministry opportunities that are yet to come. Lord, we know that we're here for that reason and purpose, to minister to others. Minister your word in speech, in language, in communication, in conversation to others. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for everything we're going to learn, too. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Just a reminder, we're going to uh, take a break next Sunday. If somebody wants to volunteer for next week, I would love to have you. Just come by and see me and let me know. Thank you.